Uh, Adam, thanks for jumping on a call. Uh, first of all, tell me how you're doing and uh, sort of introduce yourself to listeners. Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm a big fan of your show. I've been listening for a long time. Oh, thank you. Um, so I, I'm a composer and a sound designer. I've been doing audio for games for professionally for really over a decade now at this point. Yes. And um, my, my recent uh, venture is that I've, I've started a game audio company. It's called Silent Audio. And um, so that's been occupying a lot of my time. We've been uh, working on a number of game projects recently, and um, I'm just really excited uh, uh, to talk about it. Very cool. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have a uh, silent representative on cause we've, we've all been buddies for a while and uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's been nice or connected on Twitter and everything. So this is overdue. Yeah. If you ask me. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. How, uh, how long ago did the like dedicated or semi dedicated game audio stuff start for you? That's a good question. So I, I've been involved, I've been making music for oh, probably almost two decades at this <laughs> point. And, um, I was doing sort of electronic and sort of hip hop music for a while, really just, you know, uh, uh, nerdy technical stuff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I got kind of obsessed with, uh, music for media, specifically music for games. So I knew I was in New York, I was living in New York city and I knew I needed to be in LA. That was just where a lot of the great composers that I was admiring were yeah so I, I moved out to la and pretty quickly i was working under um some big composers and and that's really where i you know when you get a job like that you're kind of thrown in the deep end and you're expected <laughs> to just do a whole bunch of different stuff very quickly so it gets kind of a sink or swim moment and uh that's when i really took to it it was like oh wow okay this is this is what I love to do. And um, so, yeah, we, we worked on a whole bunch of different AAA projects, some indie projects, some, you know, mobile stuff like that. And uh, doing everything you can imagine from looping stuff, creating transitions, writing music, of course, getting the orchestra together and uh, coordinating with clients and all that kind of stuff. And after a few years of doing that, I was, I was, good i was comfortable i was confident i was it was something that i knew i should be doing pretty much you have a uh, a lot of great sample music online uh mm-hmm. if listeners want to check out a lot of what you do it's it's very easy to find on uh, youtube on your website which is silent.audio is that right yep silent.audio got yep. a lot of good stuff available so people can sort of get a feel for what you do uh, i see mm-hmm. a lot of varied instruments and equipment in the uh the studio or at least whatever room you're in. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if you consider that the main area. Oh yeah. This is it. This is where it all happens for me at least. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I play a lot of different instruments, some of them passively just enough to get down what I need to get down. And then some of them I go really deep. You can see a lot of synthesizers that I've been tinkering with and all that stuff behind me and some guitars and some ukuleles and stuff like that. Yeah. Something I love about music, uh, I don't get to talk about music too much on the podcast, and maybe a couple mm-hmm. listeners will go, no, you listen, or you talk about it all the time. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, it's, it's hard to gauge that sometimes, but I don't talk about it as much as I'm thinking about it, because mm-hmm. I got into music before I got into games or anything else. I started playing percussion instruments when I was, I guess, seven or eight, 
was probably mm-hmm. like eight or nine school band in like the earliest years and stuff. And music's mm-hmm. always been a big part of my life. And something I love about it is it's, it's sort of full of that indie spirit. You know, you say that you, you have instruments you play just passably, but to me, mm-hmm. that's like a big part of it. You know, if you've got projects you want to do, whether it's game soundtracks or uh, just playing around with your friends, I mean, some of it is just picking up an instrument, learning how not to hurt it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and then just sort of banging out anything you can and learning from that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's um, huge, just, right? It's, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. It, you don't, you shouldn't be afraid to mess up and actually practice. That's what practicing an instrument is. You just keep doing it over and over again until it sounds good. And uh, if you're trying to record something, you know, there's, you usually have enough time to, to get it right. Uh, So that's really, I think that people put these, these tools on a pedestal um, and they shouldn't, it's, it's, it should be accessible to everybody. Just pick it up, make some noise until it sounds the way you want it to sound. And that's it. That's making music. Yeah. yeah, so you you played in bands. Were you a, a drummer in bands, or yeah, yeah? It it started for me as you know a kid in the school, you know, mini orchestra thing with all the you know uh, goodwill instruments and everything that they're able to collect and keep in the janitor's closet or whatever. But from there, I got really interested in like playing a drum set, you know, as mm-hmm. as any kid in that situation would. And so mm-hmm. uh, did that through junior high. Uh, stuck with the the concert percussion stuff throughout high school. Uh, got to play Carnegie Hall. I was very fortunate wow. to do that in awesome. in my senior year, which uh, I I tend to talk about a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> that's really it's impressive. That's great. It, it was super fun, awesome opportunity. Uh-huh. And then yeah, I got with some friends like around the start of college or even late high school and played you know punk music and rock mm-hmm. stuff and uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, was in a group that was pretty obsessed with Incubus at one time and and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and stuff. I've got all sorts of interests in music and it's always nice. been, I'm, I'm sad that I haven't gotten to do as much of it lately. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think everyone is, I mean, you, you did a special project yourself during quarantine, which I want to bug you about too. Sure. Uh, I'm by all means set the table sure. and jump into that. Yeah. So um, I was, I was feeling the isolation that I'm sure everybody was feeling. And uh, so much of what we do, is collaborative back and forth. And a lot of times you're in the room and you're feeding off of people's energy. And of course, in under quarantine, you can't do any of that. So uh, I was look really interested in um, connecting with people as best I can through music. And uh, I also, I've been working so much on different projects. I was looking for a project that just was for fun, for no nobody telling me, you know, it should be sounding like this. It's just just me just doing it. So yeah, so I, I made this tribute to Super Metroid. It was all live on Twitch. And um, one of my goals was to bring people into the process and I wanted to make break down as many barriers as to entry as possible. So I used all free software, nothing cost any money in nice. any of the tools that I was using. And um, it was a really, really positive process. We uh, it was probably at least two months and I would do it twice a week. And all these people I didn't know would come on. Sometimes they'd be on for a little bit. Sometimes they would stay on for a long time, just kind of mm-hmm. watching the songs unfold. And it really was a sort of a back and forth process because uh, the album was not what I 
meant to make when I first started, but it was through the feedback of people. They'd be like, oh, that's really cool. Keep <laughs> doing that. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, that is cool. You're right. So I kind of, it the, the direction shifted pretty drastically. And that was just because of the the feedback that I was getting on Twitch. It was really, really uh, positive experience. So the, the album is called Series Station, which is a a place in the Super Metroid game. Mm-hmm. And all the music is uh, Super Metroid covers or inspired. And it really sort of took a hip hop direction when I was making it. So you can uh, check that out. It's under my name, Adam Fligston, uh, Series Station. Yeah. I love that. Does Does any of that footage still exist? I mean, is any of that saved on Twitch or anything? Uh, it's, Twitch has weird rules about saving footage, but I recorded yeah. all the footage. I started to upload it all on YouTube and then I didn't, it's, I, it's saved on my computer. Uh, That's a big first, job. Yeah. The yeah. first few weeks you can find on YouTube if you look for them. If you want me to keep going, uh, bug me and I'll, <laughs> I, I've got them all. I've, yeah. I can't tell you how many things like that I do. I'll, I'll say certain things on the podcast. I'm going to start a series about, or I'm going to start doing this thing. And I kind of wait for somebody to go like, Hey, where is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just so I yeah. know you, it's not going to go just into the abyss. You know, that's right. You need a little, uh, kick in the pants sometimes. To, yeah. I would encourage mm-hmm. people like definitely get, get on people's case about stuff you want to see, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are doing that now because mm-hmm. there are only so many hours in the day, but uh, that's an okay. extreme, extremely cool thing to do in quarantine. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I love the sort of collaborative nature of that project. And uh, man, it, it kind of reminds me of the old, um, what was that website? Like the OC remix days. Were you ever in on that? No, I don't, I don't know if I know that. It was like, it was a long time ago now, but it was a website where people just did uploads of uh, covers of stuff. And there was a lot of like, it's oh, yeah. uh, Donkey Kong with a twist or whatever. And I used to love that. I'm so sorry that there's not as much of that these days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, that culture of covers and tributes and just fan, you know, kind of loving music from video games, whether they're recent video games or from their youth. Uh, It's such an exciting, in the video game audio world, it's one of the most just pure and passionate and just kind of honest places that you can find. People just... People just want to celebrate uh, music that they love. And uh, I don't know, there's something just so genuine and pure about it. I, I really love that community. I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, it's it's really kind of a magical outlet for, for artwork because so many things like that are protected by different things. You can't necessarily just go make like a full on Nintendo fan game. People really mm-hmm. go through uh, just torturous uh, ends for those projects but mm-hmm. uh musical covers and stuff are, are kind of a fantastic way to celebrate games and stuff that you love which is why i think that uh there should be more of it and i love mm-hmm. to sort of uh heap praise on it when i see it so <laughs> <laughs> for sure uh yeah in, in terms of original game music we should talk about uh anything recent you can talk about mm-hmm. anything that's going on now that you can talk about like i think sure. people would be curious about that too sure so yeah i i am swamped with NDAs. So there's plenty yeah, right. <laughs> that I would love to be talking about, whether it's uh, my company, Silent, what we're working on or, or stuff I've done under my own name. Uh, but so I can only talk about a little, a small fraction of it. Um, yeah. What I can talk about is I had some music in the recent uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite that came out. Man. And uh, that was actually, I realized afterward, that was not, not too dissimilar of a project. I was co-writing this with a great composer, Cody Matthew Johnson. And we were tasked with uh, reinterpreting Capcom 
original kind of exciting, uh, you know, 90s and 80s tunes and bringing them into a modern context. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't set out to to do that to, you know, but I guess I'm just comfortable in, in that workflow. Um, but yeah, we, we, you know, we, we listened to them, we reinterpreted them. They were really kind of eight bit sounds, but we brought in newer instruments, more modern instruments. And, um, that was a, that was a really fun project to be a part of. Um, another game that I, I worked on this indie game called outreach for a while. That was kind of my, baby and um that was uh i used entirely soviet era synthesizers from the soviet union because huh. that made made sense for the video game it was all taking place in a soviet spacecraft yeah um and uh and th- that was a really fun project to be a part of for sure so those are some projects i guess there's a whole bunch more that i wish i could talk <laughs> about but uh, this is are, yeah this is another one of those like write this person's name down and check back in you know, uh, six months. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we have shows like that all the time, of course. So it's totally mm-hmm. understood. But it's mm-hmm. it's so cool. Uh, your your website lists everything from like AAA and indie games, uh, movies mm-hmm. and commercials. I mean, you've gotten to do really cool work, and I'm I'm guessing part of that beyond, of course, uh, talent, ability, and you know all of that. But I mean, you've been in the right places at the right times. It seems like too. So. Did you start in New York or did you have to relocate there too from somewhere else? So I grew up in Maryland um, mm-hmm. and then I went to school a little bit actually in Southern California. So not too far from where I am right now. And uh, I wasn't really getting the music education that I wanted. I just kind of, I've always been, you know, just like what you said, I've always been a person who wants to kind of push myself close to wherever the action is that I'm excited about. And uh, so before I got into video games, I was really excited about indie electronic music and indie hip hop and New York was just where it all was happening. So I was just like, okay, I'm going there. And uh, I didn't know anybody. I was 20 years old and I eventually was working at a record label and a record distributor in New York. Um, And, and then uh, LA was the same thing. It was like, okay, I gotta, I need to be where the exciting music is happening. And it seemed to be LA. So I found a way to get to LA. And then I, I bugged people uh, until they let me work for them or let me just show up enough. And, um, and then, yeah, that was how I kind of started to get involved in AAA games and, uh, and also music for movies and TV and stuff like that. I find it interesting that you mention record label work. I mean, was that mm-hmm. difficult to get into too? I'm sure that was sort of to sort of complement what you were doing at the time, but how did that go? Yeah. So that was an interesting time. And this is sort of the mid two thousands and mm-hmm. the record industry was really going through a implosion, I would say where yeah. everything because of technology, because of digital stuff, just the CDs were on their way out. And, um, we were involved in sort of, I mean, we did CD stuff and we did digital stuff, of course, but we did a lot of vinyl pressing in the company that I worked for. And vinyl as actually, it's it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's held on. It, it, nobody yeah. expected it to last this long, but now it's, it's I think it surpassed CDs uh, a couple of years ago in terms of music sales. So people are still buying vinyl and and that's kind of what we were finding even back then that it, they were still passionate people. They want to hold the physical object in their hand. They want to turn it over, read the credits and stuff like that. You know, the act of putting a needle on a, on a 
piece of vinyl is it's there's something special about it something magical about it so yeah that was um you know similar situation i just uh you know i started I started in their warehouse and then I uh, uh, kind of got a job on the website and then I got a job as an A&R for the company. So I was kind of, um, and this, and I was young, I was 22 or 21. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was just about being close to the music that I was excited about. Very cool. And uh, I, I agree. Something I see like among friends and people I see in interviews and stuff as people do well and reach a certain level of success in life and uh, maybe come across a little bit more discretionary income, I guess you would call it. One of the most frequent things people seem to spend money on is like fancy record players, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, all, all the vinyl collection stuff that they wanted. Like I'm not old enough to have come across vinyl uh, in my own right, but I hung out with my grandparents all the time and got to see theirs. And so it is cool. Like there's a very cool, like tactile element to it where you're holding this cool thing. There's this physical thing that has the music on it, which is neat. And, um, I, I think the last person I saw to mention it was, uh, Kevin Rose, the founder of dig, who's super, super wealthy now and successful and everything. And he's talking about his like eight, $10,000 turntable that he's gotten in the thing. He's like, Oh yeah, I love it. Listen to it all the time. It's about, he's like, I try to only listen to music on this thing now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something about, you know, when you're a kid, you see, I think the same thing happens with video games and happens with toys and maybe cars too. I don't know, but you see oh, yeah. things that you wish you could, you could have, and you, they just, you're an admiration of them. And I know that, you know, certainly when I was a kid, I just, I loved music, uh, you know, CDs were, and cassettes, I guess, to some degree were, were, uh, uh kind of big then, but I just loved music. I wish I could Oh, can I just have, you know, one more for my birthday? I would ask for one more. And then I got into vinyl and you, it's just, you're always, you want to collect. It becomes about just the overall experience. It just becomes about the enjoyment of the process. Um, And vinyl, I'm thrilled to see young kids getting excited about vinyl. To me, that just, that proves that, you know, as much as I love digital music, of course, I, I love digital music, but it just proves that this collector kind of you know loving you know it's like buying a a coffee table book or something like that it's a (laughs) special thing that you're going to look through when you have the time and just sort of cherish the experience that you're having so uh yeah i love vinyl i never really thought about it but there is kind of an interesting parallel between record stores and maybe something like arcades because Mm -hmm. it's this thing that we don't a hundred percent need to, Mm -hmm. you know, appreciate music or appreciate games, but there is definitely this magic to it. And it's, I think it's good for younger people to go in and experience this thing, like walk through an aisle and see stuff and uh, learn this appreciation. Uh, A little bit of the magic goes away. If it's, if it's all on uh, Spotify, you know, thank God for Spotify and everything, but uh, just, just the way I appreciate my steam library, but there's something also very cool about, seeing these things, touching them. I know I'm not uh, breaking any new ground with the, with this mm-hmm. observation, mm-hmm. but it is, it is very cool. And I hope the record stores don't go away completely anytime soon, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, they're hanging in there. You know, if, if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would have been a lot more dour and, you know, kind of just like, well, digital's taken over, you know, but at this point, I, I don't think, so. I don't think they're going anywhere and uh, uh, people, people love it. And it's, it's not just older people of an older generation. That's the part that I think is really heartening to me. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of the uh, project you did with uh, the, the Twitch streaming and the, the cool album, album you got to make, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit, obviously I'm not asking you to list everything, but tell me some of the cool free products you found for this because I think another big takeaway today is going to be, uh, you know, sort of helping indies sort of navigate this themselves a little bit if they're not successfully doing that already. So you can do almost anything you want to do with free software. I mean, it, I think that there's so much um, emphasis on magic boxes in this business. You know, you you buy this $3,000 compressor and it'll make your vocals whatever, this or that. And sure, I get uh, when you reach a certain level, maybe the the 0.3% special you know, gain that you're getting from this box over this box, maybe there's a value to that. But it rarely does it actually matter. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I've always believed that I've always known that, but I think teaching kids that is really, really important because you don't want you don't want them to feel like they've lost before they've even started. You don't want them to feel like it something is unattainable for them to ever get a professional sound, a polished sound, a you know, a great sound. So yeah, uh, uh, there were there were so many. Uh, I I don't want to get too nerdy and and yeah. go too far into talking about specific companies, but basically. Uh, there were EQs, there were reverbs, there were compressors, there were samples that I found, and they all met or rivaled exactly the, the, the top shelf stuff that you could get, and they were totally free. So I really it took me it took me a little bit of time to 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 uh, put away some of my favorite tools. You know, it's like almost like you're you're building a house and you have a hammer that you just use all the time you just you know how it feels you know the weight of it and then somebody gives you some other thing like a big (laughs) rock rock, yeah yeah and they're like here it works just like a hammer and you're like does it but then after a little bit of time you're like actually it does work just like a hammer and i don't even miss my original hammer at all this is totally comfortable you know so that was pretty much what the process was for me doing this after about a week or two i was like this is fine now you're right at home yeah yeah, exactly. I, I like that because um, I we come up with a lot of stuff on the podcast, I feel like, that I always tell people, like, everybody should try this once. I think the last thing was, uh, you know, writing, if you hadn't written professionally or something like that, you know, just, uh, oh, we talked about it with um, our friend Jordan Michael Lemos, who worked on Assassin's Creed. We we're talking about screenwriting. Like, if you've ever thought of, like, wouldn't it be funny if there was, like, a comedy sketch where the following happened? And I told people, like, Try that if you haven't, because writing in that style is is uh, a good skill to have. It helps you think of like actually breaking stuff down. Uh, this is a, a long way to say that I feel the same way about music. It's not that I think everybody should <clears throat> be responsible for their entire original soundtrack. I think that's unrealistic. But to help you uh, see what you're capable of, learn what you like, and work better with somebody who will take care of it for you, like yourself. Uh, people should get into it and get their hands dirty a little bit and learn that process, at least what goes into it, because you become a much smarter customer <laughs> when you're when yeah. you're working with uh, somebody like Adam uh, and, mm-hmm. and trying to explain, here's what I want. Go use your magic boxes and bring it back. You know, yeah. I, I think um, people should try it. 
Yeah. You know, I think about this a lot when we talk about storytelling and we talk about art creation, I think that, um, you know, the moment where, where we can hold a pencil or a, or a crayon, we we're encouraged to draw. And then, uh, and then we get a little older and our teacher shows us the color wheel and maybe they show us, uh, Vincent van Gogh paintings or something like that. And what we're doing is we are Learn. We're we're building these trenches in our brain, or we're building sort of a a basic understanding of what visual communication looks like at a really really early age. And most of us are not going to be professional artists, but if you go on to become a prof- professional artist, you're going to build layers and layers of nuance at- atop of that scaffolding that was given to you at a really really early age. And from a, a verbal perspective. Or, or text perspective, uh, storytelling works the same way. You know, you're told at an early age, write a story about your dog or mm-hmm. SpongeBob or, or whatever it might be. And you're not good when you're a kid, but you need to go through that process of kind of building that scaffolding. And then you get a little older and your teacher tells you about what conflict is, what a character is, what a protagonist is, these kinds of things. And you're sort of encouraged to explore in this medium, in in this style of storytelling. And for audio, I don't think it's the same way. And it's Mm -hmm. it's a little frustrating to me because um, it it could be. Uh, You know, the earliest experiences that a lot of kids get is they're given a a recorder, you know, a little (laughs) plastic flute uh, or uh, wind instrument. And it sounds like crap. I mean, there are some (laughs) professional recorder players who can make it sound really beautiful, but in the hands of a kid, it's awful. It's awful for the parents. It's awful for the teacher. It's awful for the kid. And that's not a fun, magical sense of exploration. That's like, Oh, I have to do my fingers in a certain way to do something that the final results, nobody enjoys. And, and then even if you go on to play in, in a band, you know, in in a school context, you're not encouraged to explore. You're you're given a sh- sheet of music, somebody else's story, their song that they wrote, and you just have to kind of do it. And uh, uh, I just don't find that our music education, or really our education, encourages this sense of exploration and encourages these these structures in our brains to be built where we understand audio as a storytelling medium, as a storytelling device. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I, just like what you said, everybody should be exploring audio. Everybody sh- should be exploring music. And there's some iPad apps and there's some ways that you can, you know, hit the button and have these colors and have these sound and sort of interact with sound in a non-music theory sort of way. And I I really do encourage people to be doing that because that's where it all starts. That's where your understanding of audio um, as a communication device, not, not, not words, but just pure audio as a way of communicating to people. That's where it all begins. I can't think of any better example of that in my life than when we, uh, you know, seven, eight years into like school band and school orchestra stuff, even uh, marching band on top of that, we got to do uh, if we wanted to, we could try out for the jazz band in high school, mm-hmm. which was funny. And they, they had a big need for a percussionist. So they really, you know, went hard on, you know, come try out for drum set. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like drummers do get, it's more natural for us to explore because if you're keeping the beat, you're not going to get the notes wrong. So it's, it's much more natural to like, Hey, I can do this here. I can change this style up a little bit and it's fun. And, uh, 
horn players, wind wind instrument people, uh, you know, brass, they don't get to do any of that. And then overnight, these kids who went for this jazz band thing, they're like, okay, now you're going to improv for the next eight bars. And they, some of them just about dropped the instrument. Like, it's like, and yeah. the, you're right. It's because they're not taught to explore that. Uh, in some cases, they're not even taught, like, you can go and listen to the, the people who are the best at this instrument. You know, if you haven't mm-hmm. heard Arturo Sandoval play trumpet, it, it's, mm-hmm. it, they, they don't really know what they're striving for and they don't know how to explore. And I agree. It should be one of the first things that you're mm-hmm. taught. Everybody should be handed a couple of sticks. Like everybody hit on the beat. Now, now mm-hmm. go crazy, do something else, you know? That's right. Uh, That's exactly right. And especially with technology, you know, we have tools that kids can have fun while they're exploring how, how they're interacting with audio. Uh, and there are some great apps and there's, there's, there's great things that uh, attempt to do this, but it's just not as common <laughs> in the formal curriculum that uh, I wish it were. There's no reason for it not to be it, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of sad that the great video games that tried to go this direction, I feel like mm. for five or even close to 10 years, we had really great, you know, we had guitar hero and rock band and uh, mm-hmm. the, the guitar rock Smith or whatever, the touchy guitar. Uh, we, we started to take off in a really great direction. And those games are so far from being like business friendly. I think is yeah. maybe, maybe the problem. The publishers were, were like, we got to get back to Call of Duty. You know, it's, it, it doesn't make as much sense. But I wish we had gone further in that direction. And maybe VR. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. For sure. The um, gosh, what's that one with the uh, uh, swords that you're Beat playing? Saber? Beat Saber. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Beat Saber is a good example of uh, kind of the next phase phase of that. But yeah, I, I'm sad that we don't see as many rock band or guitar hero style stuff. Maybe it's just it. It's hard to make it exciting to seasoned players. I think that that's one of the hard parts. You know, yeah. young kids are always going to be because they're just getting to the age where they can pick up a, a physical thing and start to interact with it, and that's always going to be an exciting thing. But if you're a, if you've been playing for three or four years, you know, Call of Duty, you're going to get better at your sniping and stuff like that. But yeah. Guitar Hero, at a certain point, you just kind of <clears throat> put it down. So I think that's one of the challenges I think for making a sustaining ecosystem in that way but yes i 100 percent agree that that was a special time when when yeah. we were getting all these devices and people would come to come over and you'd all play a acdc song together <laughs> or whatever it is it's just that was really fun fun time yeah that that was fantastic playing with friends mm-hmm. at parties and stuff playing with mm-hmm. people on the internet uh once mm-hmm. rock band got their stuff together it was really really cool so mm-hmm. i hope we get back to that um in terms of uh, we're, we're sort of talking about theory and stuff like what was your mm-hmm. education for music like and uh, what what sort of got you here and was it good preparation or, you know, should it have been different? So I had young age. I had a pretty formal or at least I, I took piano lessons when I was young and then um, I started to pick up some basic instruments for typical rock bands. So guitar, bass, drums. I was never great at any of them. I didn't like practicing. Mm-hmm. Um and it it was when I was about late middle school, early high school that I got interested in electronic music. And um, so that was where I kind of diverted from the formal education path that was music education path that was sort of in front of me. And I was like, I'm going to just figure this stuff out on my own. And 
I was not encouraged to do any of this. I wasn't shown any of this. I just kind of, just kind of knew I needed to, it was something in me. Um, and so had I stayed in a more formal educate music education thing, I don't think I would have ever been taught to explore, uh, electronic tools the way that I was. And so formal education was really pushing me towards a more traditional sort of classical background. And eventually I filled in, I had all these gaps in my knowledge. I was winging it for a while, especially Mm -hmm. when I was in New York, I didn't know as much about music theory as I needed to. I didn't know as much about orchestration and um, the way classical instruments work. But eventually when I came to LA, that's when I, I, I did start to take some orchestration classes, take some uh, c- composition classes, get a little more comfortable with some of the formal stuff that I had papered over up until <laughs> that point. But I'm really thankful, I think, in hindsight, that I did stray from the path so far and then just kind of come back to it. Because in the process, I was given the tools that now I use every day. Uh, because when you when you make a video game, when you do video game audio, you're essentially using a big sampler. It's a complex sampler, but you're sticking audio files, you're triggering them in the right way, you're having them interact. Mm-hmm. And basically all of it is stuff that I was doing when I was in high school. Uh, so I, it took me a while to realize sort of why I was so drawn to it and why it was so comfortable for me. But I think that that's kind of why. So yeah, I did have a a pretty decent formal music education, but I came to it later. And then in the meantime, I did a lot of informal electronic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The the piano lessons seem to be the, the great gateway for many of the people who get very good at music and who are very knowledgeable about it later. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry that that wasn't my first instrument. Like instead of percussion stuff, of course I learned reading patterns and, and doing stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, mm-hmm. God, drum practice, you talk about not liking to practice mm-hmm. <laughs> like high school drum line practice bordered on child abuse. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, it was yeah. more like football practice. It was like, you're going to be out in the heat for eight hours all summer. And yep. when you go home that night, here are some like rapid drum patterns you need to practice and you need to just keep doing them for a couple of hours a night to build up those muscles. Like my, my hand and wrist muscles are insane. I can snap my fingers just by closing my hands the way most people would like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's impressive. Like the rapid clapping and all that stuff. Uh It's stupid. It's pointless, Uh (laughs) but it's, it's fun. And like, meanwhile, the people learning piano Mm -hmm. are super good at theory. They didn't have to, to crack a textbook to just pour over like the mm-hmm. scales and the, the progressions and everything. I think mm-hmm. that's a fantastic way. So that's what we're aiming for with, uh, with my son. You know, I think that's going to be a much happier experience than, uh, he loves to pound on my drum set too, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, uh, the people who start with piano, that seems to be a great way to do it. Um, here's, here's, yeah. a, qu- <laughs> yeah. here's mm-hmm. a question. Do you find yourself, um, I don't know, a ton about your process when you're doing like soundtrack work and stuff, but do you incorporate a lot of like real instruments beyond keyboards or is it mostly like MIDI controller stuff, that kind of thing? So whenever I can, I will incorporate real instruments. I (laughs) I love to, whether it's just something I'm playing myself, a guitar or mandolin or something like that. Um, I have a bowed guitar called a guitar viol. If I need a, a simple sort of a string line or something like that. But, uh, 
if I can hire an orchestra, if I can hire a professional player who's not futzing through it the way I sometimes am, <laughs> uh, I will always do that. And sometimes we we set them up right here in the studio. We'll have a, three players or four players set up microphones. We'll do it all right here. It's very close and very intimate. Um, but a lot of times we go and we rent a studio and uh, and we hire an orchestra. And that is, to me, that's when I'm just uh, at my most happy yeah. kid in a candy store. I love incorporating real players uh, because these are people that, you know, the same way I've been sort of hunkering over a computer, writing music every day, all the time. These are people that have been playing their instrument just all their lives since they were, you know, almost too young to hold the, the, the bow and um, to be working with such professionals, such, you know, uh, virtuosos of their craft it's just it's just the best uh, it, there's nothing better than that i don't know if this is a smart or stupid question but i mean do you have mm -hmm. to like write sheet music for people in that situation stuff like mm -hmm. that that's yep. very cool yeah and yep. um, we, we we prepare everything we've got it all all laid out sometimes we're, we're making changes on the fly sometimes we're saying you know oh play up an octave or <laughs> if you make a mistake you say oh that was supposed to be a c natural not a c sharp you know sometimes uh we're making some changes but but 99 percent of it it's all written out it's all it's all ready for them so just a humble suggestion for next year's <laughs> streaming event Mm -hmm. uh, let's maybe get you with like studio cameras set up and a bunch of, uh, anybody who would like to come participate, <laughs> like a, a, a big collaborative, uh, thing. I love, and I say that because I love watching stuff like that. Every time mm -hmm. they release footage of that from like a movie, there are some very cool, like music behind star Wars, you know, things like that. I love watching that kind of stuff. I can't tell if that's just me as a music fan or, you know, a former, uh, music student, but I feel like everybody loves that. Right. Yeah. So I think that there's something in us that loves to watch people work together. And it's the same mm -hmm. thing that happens when you're watching a really cool, like a ballet or a really cool dance routine where there's, you know, 50 people on stage all doing a really tightly choreographed routine. I think that there's something in our, we just, we love that. It's just yeah. as humans. We just love watching people do something creative and artistic all together. And I can tell you, I've been in the room uh, of of recording studios and orchestral sessions where, and it's hard to capture this magic that I'm about to talk about. <laughs> the microphones do a good job and we we work really hard every day to get as close to capturing this as possible. But when you are in the room and the sound is actually bouncing off you, your body, and you can see all the people, you know, holding their instruments and everybody working together. There's just this electricity in the air that is really hard to describe. And it really is magical. I, I, I don't use that word lightly. It's, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, watching footage, you can, you can get a lot of that, but being in the room, it's it's like something else. It's an excellent point, and it's something mm -hmm. I haven't taken nearly enough time to like reflect on and appreciate. But yes, mm -hmm. uh, even I don't care if you're just playing a triangle in the back, which I've absolutely been that guy. But uh, something about being in that room with everybody and just feeling the sound, and it's it sounds silly, but there's a very real thing where it's just there's nothing like it, and uh, certainly going to see. Uh, a performance of that of that kind of thing is is absolutely awesome as well. So anybody who hasn't, in the rare uh, circumstance that you haven't seen a performance like that in person, go go do it. There are tons of great things to go see, uh, traveling things, local things. Go go 
hear some classical music or some uh, one of those traveling soundtrack shows. It's all great. Absolutely. You know? I, I, I still go out of my way. I mean, obviously with coronavirus, things are a little bit different, but yeah. I, will, I will go to my, I go out of my way to go to, you know, just local community orchestra shows or community choral shows. I, I sometimes tell people one of the most magical experiences I ever went to was not, you know, top tier choir or top tier orchestra. It was just a local community choir and they had been playing together for basically about a year. And this was their last performance together. And they did this thing where they surrounded the audience. We were in a church and they just surrounded the audience. So it was like the, the voices were coming in all direct different directions. And for them, they were all sort of saying goodbye to each other. So you could feel the emotion among the, the, the singers in the room. And then for us, the sound was just kind of, it's in this beautiful church space, just surrounding us. And, this was a local, just a, you know, this was not something that was unattainable. I think uh, every town, every city, there are people that are playing together, people that are singing together. And uh, it's, it's, they're, they're usually pretty good if they're, if they're mm. going to be passionate enough to spend their Saturdays getting good at, you know, working together, they're usually pretty good at this. So yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Go seek it out. It's there. I promise. Yeah. Extremely cool stuff. Uh, now, I ask this next question with, let me establish the baseline. Like we understand that, you know, you are at the the top of your game. You've put out extremely cool music. You do very cool stuff on social media. Is it, is it difficult to do the sort of back and forth work with clients in terms of like, let's say a studio has contracted some work to you. Uh, is it sometimes difficult to get the right vibe that they want? I mean, what's that back and forth kind of like from your end? Yes. Uh, in short, yes. Um, <laughs> the, the best, it's usually the hardest part is usually when they are unclear what their own internal direction is yeah. for their game. And usually that lack of clarity comes from some sort of internal politics within the studio. Yeah. So one person wants the game to be like this and the other person wants the game to be like this. And there's some sort of tension there. And then we, as the audio team are sort of put in the middle and <laughs> it's like trying to everybody's trying to curry favorites to try to get the audio more in this one or this direction. So that's when things get tricky because there's no really great way to win in that scenario. You you're just trying to please everybody. And at best you wind up half pleasing everybody at mm. worst, you wind up pleasing nobody. And then you have to <laughs> just keep, keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. So sometimes it can be tricky. Um, and you never know. Sometimes you would expect a, one studio to be very corporate and, uh, uh, you know, by the books and not really care about certain emotional or story. You know, they're just trying to make a buck. And and then you you work with people and they're some of the most intelligent, creative sort of people you, you'd ever expect. And then the flip side is also true. You, you, you'll be working on an indie game that seems like it's really passionate and artistic and you're just like, you're excited to explore and, and do out of the box sort of stuff. And then the working environment uh, is feels a little more corporate and a little more kind of by the numbers, by the book. And you just don't get to uh, explore and experiment the way you kind of expected to. So for sure, it can be a challenge. It's not always a challenge. And definitely when I compare 
video games to movie or TV product projects that I've been on, I've had a much better hit percentage in terms of fun, positive working experiences in the video game industry than I do uh, movies and TV. Uh, but there are still the occasional uh, difficult job for sure. Yeah, and uh, I don't. It, it, this is not to wander into like throwing shade or anything, but I've mm-hmm. I've seen a number of presentations because I've I've gone to a lot of like uh, indie dev festivals and conferences and expos and things. And I've seen some talks in person from music composers and I've seen weirdly, I've seen all over the spectrum from like the, the kind of stuff you're talking about, like deeply emotional and, uh, you know, the, the most, just the height of composition you could be doing in this, in this world, in this age we live in with the tools we have, it's just this beautiful process. And then I've seen like things that surprised me. Like I, 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 met a guy one time who said like, Oh, I never turned down any job. And I thought really. And he's like, you know, if you can meet, like if you, if you want to send me $5 and you need a song for a game, I will send you back something. And he he gave us sort of some examples of what something meant. And I was, he's very good at what he does. I was surprised at what he was sending back. It was like, Mm -hmm. I have an hour to work on this and Mm -hmm. I'm going to start this drum machine and I'm going to do the following over it. And I thought in a way, I get it. Like it, it, as long as the client understands what's going on and, and what they're getting back for that amount of money. Okay, fine. But I, I was surprised that there's sort of a solution for everybody, even if it's just, I have this loop I can send you. And, and I guess, I guess that's fair enough, you know, but you, it, it really goes wide across this broad spectrum of like effort and results. And you can get almost anything for almost any amount of time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you want to be passionate about the projects that you're working on. And, um, we, we turn down stuff all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. that just doesn't seem like it's the right fit for us or doesn't seem like, uh, it's just something feels a little, little off or just like, it's not, it's not going to add up at the end of the day. Um, you, you, and <sighs> you know, we all got in this to make art, you know, we all got yeah. in this to, to give people a, a, an amazing experience on the other end of it. So it's those, those moments where, and you know, I'll be, I'd be lying if I, if I said it didn't occasionally happen to me where you just kind of feel like you're punching in, punching yeah. out on, on the clock, you know, sure. sometimes it's a business, sometimes this stuff happens, but it's those moments that we try to avoid as much as possible. We try to do our due diligence to not work with clients where we think it's just going to be just cranking stuff out with no, no sense of what the player is actually experiencing, no sense of giving them a, a positive experience. And um, I think some composers, I mean, this is probably with any job, some composers, they, they forget, they forget why they got in this. They forget that they, love music they forget that this is art and they and it just sort of becomes a just a day job for them so yeah i've certainly experienced that uh and 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 sometimes they're really good too yeah Uh, yeah yeah very cool uh so we we talked a little bit about some of the cool free tools you stumbled into to do the uh this recent project but i mean i haven't gotten to look at like the the real big gun well-established uh, tools since, you know, when I, when I goof around, I have to do it in like garage band, uh, FL studio. And I actually love those things. I like those tools a lot, but I mean, what's, what's at the top of the field now on the, on the pro side. That's a, a, a widely varied 
question because sure, yeah. um, there, you know, when I was first starting out, Pro Tools was the quote unquote industry standard. If you wanted yeah. to record a rock band or you wanted to record an orchestra, you you learned Pro Tools, you used Pro Tools. And um, once Pro Tools sort of lost a little bit of its top dog status, uh, there's never been a great answer for what has replaced it. So the the one that I use is is a plugin called, or a, a software called Reaper, which is a little less known in the wider music industry, but in the game audio space, it's it's really really taking picking up steam. Nice. Um, it's complicated. It's mm. not sort of for the faint of heart. It you know you dive in and there's five thousand different little checkboxes that you need to get right in order to get it to do what you want. I sort of liken it to uh, to driving a stick shift or something like that. <laughs> you, there's You have to get through it. But then once you do, and I don't know if you've ever driven a stick shift, you oh, yeah. sort of <laughs> feel connected to the car and the engine and the wheels in a way that you kind of don't in the same way with an with a, a automatic that's making decisions for you. So, uh, so that's why I like Reaper. It's, it's, uh, it's really customizable. There's a few other programs that a lot of other people use. There's one called Logic uh, that's uh, Apple only. And that, I used that for many years. That was my primary uh, piece of software. There's another one called Cubase. Mm-hmm. That's a really great piece of software. And then Q- Cubase has an a, a, a even more advanced version of itself called Nuendo. That's cost a lot of money, but a lot of people in the game industry use that one too. Yeah. Um, and also for the record, GarageBand, uh, FL Studio, these are amazing pieces of software. And I know yeah. people that do professional work on them. So there's no shame or there's no, you know, you can do 99% of everything you ever want to do. You can do in pretty much all of these pieces of software that I just mentioned. It's just about what you prefer, different pr- preferences of workflow and stuff like that. My uh, my first indie game, I wanted to do my own music just because I had done everything else from scratch. And it was kind of just this handcrafted uh, project of love, you know. And I couldn't believe the cool stuff I was able to do with GarageBand, actually, just to make clear mm-hmm. that I'm not dogging on that at all. Like yeah. between the, uh, the virtual instruments that they have, which are different on the phone and on the tablet and mm-hmm. on like a, the MacBook, it was, it was almost like playing all those things with actual instruments. It was really fun. Like that's, that's something I, I try to impress upon people. Like if you haven't tried, uh, just find the right tools to have fun with it. Like this is a fantastic thing to get into just the way you would like, like you mentioned the connection to the sort of drawing earlier. It's just like you would scribble on a, a notebook for a couple hours in front of the TV to have a good time. Like this is a great way to sort of express yourself, have a nice afternoon, you know, uh, let, let go of some stress. I, I think yeah. it's fantastic. I agree. And actually GarageBand specifically, I think, you know, that was one of their goals is to make it as accessible to newcomers as possible. And I think they have more than succeeded. I think it's a Mm -hmm. really amazing use of software. And I've heard games and movies even and songs that have been made entirely on GarageBand and you would never know it because the person behind it is they're They're really good. And, uh, uh, and you just had no idea. So yes, it's a, it's a totally amazing piece of software and it, get it on your iPad or get it on your MacBook and give it a try. Uh, you will have fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So as uh, time kind of starts to run short, uh, sure. P- 
people, <laughs> I, I say this as a joke. Uh, many listeners have heard me mention silent many times now, but, um, now that I have somebody knowledgeable on the horn here, uh, give mm-hmm. us sort of the pitch of what you guys do for indies that call in or, or, you know, larger teams that call in and say like, we need to, we don't know where to start with our audio. What do you do? Sure. So we are all about finding the core meaning of the game, whatever that might be. You know, it could be a, a action a scrawler, a action, you know, where you're always fighting bosses, bullet hell kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be asking ourselves sort of what is the player's emotional arc in this level? Are they, or are we amping them up so that they get really excited? And then once they beat the boss, are we, are we, are they feeling like, yeah, you know, like they just <laughs> won a, a game, you know, it's like whatever the game is, or is it sort of a dark, scary type thing? We're going to be just zeroing in on what are the finest details that make this game completely unique and different from every other game out there in the world. That's our number one focus. And then once we start to get a sense from that, and we're, we're helping uh, developers kind of, I mean, developers will usually know better than us. Uh, once we get a sense for that, then we're going to be asking ourselves, what is the most perfect audio that just backs up and supports every aspect of that emotional experience? So our number one concern is, what is the story that the game is telling? What is the player's emotional arc as they're going through it? And then how can we have audio not just sort of be be window dressing to that, but actually further every every aspect of the emotional experience that the player is feeling? Um, and from a practical level, that usually is we're just making we're doing what's called asset creation. So we're doing sound design, we're doing music, we're uh, recording some dialogue. We, we do some dialogue services as well. And then we also do, um, implementation. So, uh, we'll be physically taking the files. We'll be setting them up in the right kind of way, making sure they're all sound good. They're all kind of working together. Um, and our goal is to have sort of a holistic, uh, idea of what this game is, what, conceptually and on a more deep level than just sort of what it looks like or what happens in it and um and then create the perfect audio for that and sometimes we are a you know we're just making files and sending them out but sometimes especially on some sort of indie projects and some medium level projects uh we're almost like the audio wing of their studio we become like a de facto audio department in their studio and we're there showing up to meetings and helping them hit milestones and uh and just providing our audio expertise kind of every step of the way that's very cool because the other side of you know hey music is fun give it a try and you know learn your own audio design and everything when when it counts and the budget's in place but the time is not i can't imagine how relieved it it would make you feel to be able to find someone like yourself and say, we got to hand this part off to you and you're going to save our butts, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's gotta be, I can only imagine the relief that those people feel, uh, knowing that it's in good hands. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. We, we, um, we love working with developers and, uh, and we love speaking their language. We, we understand what it, what it means to make a game. So, um, 
we we're already I wish I could be talking about some of the cool projects that we're working on. Hopefully <laughs> soon you you could hear all the cool stuff we're we're doing right now. We will have to uh follow back up again in a while <laughs> so we can kind of <laughs> fill back in those gaps. But um as we wrap it up, uh let people know where they can find you online, the various uh social presences, anything you wanna sort of shout out. Sure. So the main place is the website. It's silen.audio, S-I-L-E-N dot audio. Um and there's a contact form there. You can also schedule, you know, a short call with me or with with one of my staff, and we'll talk through what your game is. We'd love to hear about what challenges people are going through and what their goals are and all that stuff with the game. So you could either just send us a message, or you could book a book a short little call on silent.audio. Um, if you want to follow me, my name is Adam Fligston. You can find me on a whole bunch of different social media. If you just Google search it, Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube, stuff like that. Um, also I have a website, adamfligston.com. And, and premium tweets. Let me uh, put that out there. Oh, I enjoy thanks. following Thank you on you. Twitter. So thanks. Well, I appreciate uh, that. Awesome. Thanks for letting me bend your ear for a little bit and give you silly questions. Uh, I've learned a lot and I hope that uh, listeners have as well. Thank you so much for for having me on here. It's been really fun. Awesome.